Galatians chapter 6. We'll be over here beginning in verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. That wasn't too long ago this year. Sometime we're back in the beginning of the year. We went over some of these verses with the uh, bearing each other's burdens, but we'll go over some of these things again. But remember the stages of correction. This is just a reminder for you all. The stages of correction. There are four stages. The first off, when I am ready to change or what I am ready to change, there are things that God is correcting us on and that we are ready to hear and to change it. This is what I am hearing. I hear God say it, and I put it into operation. As we talked about on Sunday with the area of correction and criticism, if we don't receive God's correction, God's criticism, in our lives, we don't receive His power. They come hand in hand. Got to make sure that we take that that uh, correction and and keep ourselves on the right path. Otherwise, God can't give us the power that he would want to. And of course, the enemy knows that, so that's why he wants to get us to disobey. So the stages of correction, the first one is what I am ready to change and what I am hearing. This is, I, I can hear it, so therefore and I, I'm ready to change it. Second one is what I am supposed to change, but I am slow in obeying. I'm supposed to change. I know I'm supposed to change it. I heard, I heard it, but you know, I don't want to. I'm putting it off. I'm not sure that I really, um, I'm just not quite ready to make this change just yet. I know God's dealing with me. I know it's God. I don't have any question about that. I know it's in his word. I know that he's spoken it to me. But I'm just uh, kind of delaying on this thing. I'm not, not quite uh, getting there. Um, the third stage is what I should be changing. But I have resisted hearing. So the other one, I, uh, I, know, I know I'm supposed to do it. I know I'm supposed to do it. I'm just not getting to it yet. This one, the, the third stage, I, I should be doing this, but I'm not hearing. That, I mean, I'm, he, I'm hearing it, but I'm not sure if that's God. I'm not sure if I agree with that yet. You know, I'm resisting it. I'm resisting the hearing. The other one I heard, but um, I'm just kind of slow in obeying that one. This one, I'm resisting hearing. Here's the fourth one. What I am unwilling to change. What I have decided not to hear. So God is speaking to us on this, but I've decided I'm not hearing that. Mm-mm. I am not going that direction. That's not what I'm going to do. That is uh, outright putting my will against the will of God. It's not just that I'm resisting hearing. I am outright saying I am not going to hear that one. And this is where we get into that area of pride. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago in the Sunday morning service, where we become uh, resistant to change something that God is dealing with us on. Those who practice such things, and you know, we, that's when we focus on the, the, the one thing anyway, homosexuality and uh, lesbianism and, and so much emphasis is put on those particular sins, but the real underlying sin is the pride that's associated with it and that I refuse to listen. And God actually put a whole bunch of sins in that category of people who can practice these things, go after these things and say, I am not going to hear. The word of God says that my sheep know my voice. These folks are unwilling to hear, unwilling to change. And that's where the problem comes in. We focus on the sin. God focuses on the hearing. You're not hearing my voice on that thing anymore. Uh, we've gone over this before too, but we'll give it to you again. The sources of correction. First off, it's his word. Secondly, my spirit, the spirit, of, uh, the spirit on the inside of me, the renewed spirit. Uh, third, his spirit and his servants. His word, my spirit. His spirit and his servants. 
These are uh, areas that, that God will speak to us. Ways that God will, will put correction in. Brethren, if our heart does not condemn us, we have peace before God. There's some, some correction that will come right from our own spirit that's been renewed on the Word of God. As a servant used in, in correction, I can see something to correct. So I'm, I'm as also a servant used to correct. How many of you know that? Have you, you've been used to correct people? You've seen something that they've done that uh, is, is outside it and you go up to them and say, hey, you know, that's not faith. Hey, that's not love. Hey, that's not walking in the way that you should. So we're sometimes are, are the servants that are used to correct other people. So when that happens, as a servant using the correction, I can see something to correct. How many of y'all know you can see stuff to correct? It's a whole lot easier to see stuff to correct in other people's lives than it is to see it in our own. Nevertheless, it does not, does not disqualify us from having the responsibility at times to correct other people and to, to, to help them out. Sometimes the enemy wants to come along and keep us from doing any correcting by simply saying, well, you're not perfect, so don't bother with it. And that's not the case. God does not call perfect people to correct others. He calls his servants to do it. But we have a, in this scripture, we have a certain mindset we have to have when we, uh, when we do this. But anyway, as a servant used in correction, I can see something to correct, but can go to the wrong people. I can go to the wrong people to correct. I can see them doing something, but God's not dealing with them on that yet. It may be wrong, but God's not dealing with them on that particular thing yet. That's the, that's the wrong person to be going to. Uh, and you got to be listening to this, because sometimes you can correct someone. God hasn't been messing with them. He's, he's, he's dealing with other stuff. You need to just let that go. Go to the wrong people. We go to the right person, but we're premature. We're, we're there a little early. Uh, God said, no, that's, that, that we're going to deal with them, and I am dealing with them. Give them a chance first. So we've got to hear what, the, what God says. Because, again, we're correcting as a servant of God. So I've got to listen to what God is saying. We go to the right person as God directed. That's the best way to be. We go to the right person as God directed. God says, all right, you see that person doing this thing? Go out there and, and do it. And sometimes it may not be something that you see. Sometimes God may just say, go over to so-and-so and speak to him about this. And you have no way of knowing that that's even going on in their life. And that's part of the effect that God wants to have on them. How would you know I was doing that? I don't know anything about what you're doing. I just know what God said to do. So go to the right person as God directed. That's the best way to be. And here's the last one. Or keep silent as God reveals. God may say, all right, that's a, that's a problem, but you don't say nothing about it. You keep quiet. You got to go to God and find out. God, am I supposed to say something? I can see this thing. Now, if you're not supposed to say anything to that individual, make sure you don't say anything to anybody else either. Because you'll, you'll be putting yourself in a bad spot. Don't be doing that. Then God's going to have to come along and correct you. So as a servant, we're using correction. We've got to make sure that we get it right. Don't go to the wrong people. Don't go to people before the time. Don't, uh, don't get there in there prematurely. Uh, go to the right person as God directed or keep silent if God says, all right, we're, uh, you just be quiet about that right now. Sometimes you just need to know that someone's getting off so that you don't receive the thing that they have. But you're not in this position to, to correct them. You may just need to know about that. And that can, that can happen. You can just say, look, this is the person in the body of Christ. They're going around and doing some things. Uh, you stay resistant to that. That person is, is off. But then you're not supposed to, you're not in a position to correct them. So you need to be quiet. Keep it to yourself. But don't go saying it to anything, anybody else in the body of Christ either. So just be, be careful. I mean, it's, it's, it's not rocket scientist. 
If God shows you something that, uh, that is wrong in someone's life, just simply say, God, am I supposed to do anything about that? That's it. If God doesn't show you anything to do about it, then don't do anything about it. But don't go saying it to anybody else either. If God shows you something that's going wrong in someone else's life, your only responsibility is to keep quiet or to talk to them. That's it. Never says in his word, go around and talk to everybody else and tell them about it. That's not something he says in his, in his word. So make sure that we as his servants don't do that. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual restored. Well, you're supposed to be a spiritual one. But if a man is overtaken in any trespass, no matter what the trespass is, that they are overtaken in it, how we respond is important. I put in your outline, the person who presents correction bears some responsibility to how a person receives it. Not all, but you do bear some of the responsibility. Have you ever been corrected by somebody at, at work? A boss comes along and they correct you. And I mean, they just did it in the worst possible way. And it made it really hard for you to receive it. Well, who bears the responsibility for that? Is it just you? No, the person who made the correction has a responsibility too. Maybe they did it in public. Maybe they did it uh, harshly. Maybe they, you know, their foundation was wrong. There can be all kinds of things that go, go on with that. They made it hard for you to receive it. You've got to make sure that you make it easy as much as it depends on you. You make it easy to re- receive it. Remember when Nathan the prophet came up to David? Nathan made it as easy as possible for David to receive this. He didn't just come over and hit him over the head with a club. He, he talked with him about it. He gave him a story. Then he let David get involved in the story. And, see, and then he just said, David, you're the man. <laughs> and uh, David had a, had a choice then. And David chose to go ahead and listen to him. But you see, he made it uh, as easy as he could to receive. And sometimes you just go back to God. God, how can I present this to them that they would hear it from me? Because sometimes we're overly harsh. We don't want God to deal with us overly harsh, but we deal with other people overly harsh. Don't do it. Don't be harsh with people. Always err on the... If you're going to err on any side, err on the side of being too gentle. Because you can always get more harsh. You can't get... You can't undo harshness once it's done. Be careful of the words of your mouth. Don't make it hard for them to receive. Because if you go in there as a servant to correct and to restore, and you're overly harsh, you cause that person to not want to repent on that thing later on. And so uh, don't, don't be doing that. Be careful. Now, if you, you say, well, with all this responsibility, I just forget it. I'm not going to try and help anybody out. I just mind my own business and keep my own nose clean. And we could say that, but if God says, I need you to go over here and help this person out, are you going to tell God no? I think that's a bad position to be in too, right? No, we'll, we'll listen to it. We'll hear what God has to say. And, uh, and we go back to God and say, God, what should I, how should I say this? What should I do? And God will give you an illumination of that. If you don't have it right away, then wait an hour, two hours a day, whatever it might be. Wait and get that revelation of what to, God, I just, I'm not sure what to do. Just how should I approach this? What should I, I do with this thing? And let revelation come to you just like revelation comes to your word, uh, to you about the word. And talk to him about it. But you're supposed to be the spiritual person. You see that there's a problem. You see that there's an issue. So step in there. If you are, if all of heaven rejoices when one repents, when one comes back, how great is it to be on the part of bringing that person in? When you got a hundred sheep on the, on the cliff and uh, one wanders away, 
And you go out and you find that one sheep, the Word of God says, there's great joy in heaven for that one sheep that is found. What if you're the one who finds it? What if you're the one who brings that sheep back? Isn't that a great place to be? Sure is. It means you're going to put yourself out there a few times. And, and some people are going to shut you down. Some people, you did it the right way. You did exactly what God said to do. And they didn't take it. They didn't repent. They didn't come back. Well, you can only make it as palatable as you can. You still have to deliver the message. <laughs> so, you know, Deliver the message. Do what you have to do. But don't feel like it's all on you. Part of it is. Part of it is. So as much as it's on you, be gentle. But uh, there's some part of it on them too. And if they don't hear it, then you've got to be a little firmer the next time. You know, it's just like when you're with your kids when they're growing up. You know, when you, what do you do first off when they get off? Well, you speak to them about it, right? Uh, Johnny, don't do that anymore. And, uh, and, and then Johnny goes and does it again, right? And uh, we, we step up the punishment this time. But what happens, you know, when you get those kids, you know, they get into terrible twos and threes, as they call them, and uh, they're looking at you as they do it. <laughs> Have you seen that with the little kids? They're looking at you as they do it, like, what are you going to do now? <laughs> well, what should you do then? No, no. That's not going to help, is it? No, you need to be a little bit more firm here. Uh, gentleness is, is long past. We need, to, <laughs> we need to up that a little bit. And uh, no more of this sort of stuff. We gotta no. It's it's time for a spanking. It's time for a timeout. It's time for you need to lose something. <laughs> Something's gonna go on here. We gotta step this up. They gotta realize this is serious. We're, we're this is important. And so we we do that at times. And there are times you know as a as a, a believer in the body of Christ, and you corrected them on a matter, and they didn't do anything about it. And then you got a little sterner, and you corrected them on that. And they didn't do anything about it. And then you got real stern, and they still didn't do anything about it. And what are you going to do now? It has to keep up. Don't keep putting up with this sort of stuff. God doesn't. There are some people, they know what they're doing is wrong, but they keep on doing it. Don't make it easy for them to do so. You know, there's, there's sometimes you just got to be real stern. With the, look at the way Jesus dealt with sinners like tax, tax collectors and publicans and uh, prostitutes and things like that. Look at how he dealt with them compared to how he dealt with the Pharisees. Who was he stern with? I mean, he was downright nasty to the Pharisees sometimes. In fact, one guy comes to him at nighttime to ask him about being born again. And instead of Jesus, welcome. Oh, it's so good to see you. Come on in here. I'm glad you're looking for the light on this thing. Let me, let's sit on down and have a conversation. What's he do with them? Man, you're supposed to be a leader. Children of Israel, and you don't know this stuff? He's, he's running out of patience with these folks. Sometimes we think that patience is, is important. But there's times that God runs out of patience. He's, he's, he's done. You know what? I'm done with that one. That's over. Sodom and Gomorrah, did he run out of patience with them? Yeah. We are, we are taking you out because you are doing harm to the people who want to follow after me. Who want to learn after God. So we're going to take all you guys out. How about uh, the people who revolt against Moses? Said, hey, who are you? We can be, uh, we can be uh, uh, people who do things for God more than what we're doing. And God says, uh, step back from those folks. <laughs> and we step, step back. You know, one group of them was all burned up at the fire. And the other group of them, they, uh, the whole earth opened up, swallowed them up. That'll get your attention. I would think I, I would think I would only need to see that one time. 
for me, it's good enough just to hear about it. You know, and I'm ready to step back from anybody who's, uh, who's new. But not the children of Israel, no. They were, after they saw the earth open up, after they saw fire come down, they're still coming up, knocking on Moses' door. Hey, we think you ought to die. We think you haven't been doing a good enough job. You would think, you see, some people just don't learn. And uh, don't keep putting your time in on it. Pull back. You, you don't need to do it anymore. They haven't heard. They're not hearing what you're saying. You can't restore them. With, you know what? I'm not the one to restore you. Somebody else has got to do it because you're not hearing it from me. So I'm going to go on to somebody else. I'm going to go on to somebody else. But the enemy likes to distract us with people who will sap us for our time and anything else that they can. Don't let them do it. You don't need to, to do it. I think I told you the, the, the story of when I was a youth pastor, just you know, coming out of school, just getting started with all this sort of stuff. And... Um, uh, you know, if you wonder why people with tears don't move me, it's because early on I learned, don't let it. I learned that real quick early on, don't, don't let it. And there's this one girl, she was in the youth group, and um, she, I just had a perception of her that she's just for show. She's just, a, she's just a showman. And so, you know, she's always having trauma after trauma and thing after thing and sapping everybody's time. I think I got involved in one or two. And after that, I says, I'm done. And I wouldn't give her any more time on this thing. And, and so uh, there's one particular thing. She was going through some emotion. I don't even know what it was. I had no idea what it was. I, I didn't really care at the time. Because no matter what it was, it was going to be something else tomorrow. Because the, the problem was that they didn't... The problem was they didn't respect the Word the way they needed to respect the Word. They didn't respect what the Spirit of God was doing. They didn't listen to what God was saying up to now. So what am I going to say that's going to help them out? And so uh, there was one time, you know, we, I'm usually the last person to leave church. Uh, was the case then too, and so I was coming out, going to my car, and uh, the whole parking lot's empty. I closed up the church; everyone else is gone. And this this one particular gal is out by the uh, pond. The church had a pond on the premises, and there was a light there, and she was just enough in the light that you could tell someone was there. And so I came on out, and I'm sure she expected that uh, you know her being upset and standing over there by herself, that I would see she's upset, and I come on over and spend some time. So um, I saw her over there, and I said, good night, waved, got in my car, and took off. That was it. I'm not, <laughs> not about to get involved with, with something like that. This is a person who didn't want to uh, listen. That didn't stop there. I did some other stuff later on. I didn't just uh, ignore her. I got her mad, angry, so angry she had to leave the church to go outside and scream, she told me later on. That's how mad she was. I had no remorse about it at all. I said it right to her face and let her know. Because, you know, at this point, the only way you're going to get this person to change and to repent and get out of the things they're doing is to sometimes get them mad to cause a change. She got mad. Stormed out. I didn't storm after her either. No, sir. See, everybody's going to be a little bit different. And you've got, uh, you got to listen to the Spirit of God. You can't have a set of rules in this restoration process. There's a, when I was a youth group leader again, there's a little boy, uh, trouble, 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 trouble. Busted stuff in the church all the time. When I took over the youth group, I inherited him. He was part of the mess that was in the, the youth group was a mess. It was a huge mess. The board would meet and they would meet mostly about what to do with the, what the youth group was doing to the church. They were breaking stuff. Messing with stuff, causing problems, going out in the parking lot, smoking, and other stuff that I won't mention. 
And so when I took it over, they had all these things going on. And they, they, they told me uh, uh, months after I took it over, half of our board meeting was what to do with the youth group and the different members of it. Well, this guy was one of the problems. He was one of the problem kids. Young kid, too, junior high school. Problem kid, causing trouble. And so, well, you know, I inherited them. <laughs> and so, uh, what are you going to do with them? Well, we dealt with him differently than we did that with the other girl. Not because he was a boy and the other one was a girl. There was an attitude different on the, on, on the inside. God showed me something about him. It's uh, why he was the way that he was. And so God says, take, feed this part of him. Do something with this and you'll see a change. And so I would, what I did was I got him involved in things and I would, uh, I would watch around. And sometimes I think the, the first thing that I saw him do was he moved a chair out of his way. Because we would set up the chairs in a certain way for the youth group, and we had to take them down and then set them back up the other way for when the other people would come on in afterwards. So uh, he just moved one of the chairs out of his way. And as soon as I saw him do that, I went over and says, Hey, thanks so much for starting to take the chairs down. Appreciate you doing that. He wasn't taking the chairs down at all. I don't even think it came into his mind. But you see, instead of people assuming the wrong thing about him, I assumed the right thing about him. Did it on purpose. God showed me to do that. So I did so, and uh, he just kept on going. He kept uh, picking up more chairs and, and doing some things. And Well, this is a junior high. Remember, junior high school. We had problems with him going outside smoking. Who got him the cigarettes? I, I don't know. I didn't get him cigarettes. I don't know who got him the cigarettes. I just know he had them, and he would find a way to get them out there, and, and we'd always have to be going out there and, and smoking. So I just had to tell him, you do not go outside, ever. I don't care who tells you, you do not go outside. And uh, he'd, he, uh, we, were, we were working on this stuff and getting things going. And progress was being made inside this young man. We were restoring him. We were bringing him back to a place. And he was uh, interested. Now, instead of accidentally doing something right, he did it on purpose. He would, he would take down chairs. He would th- set things up because someone was recognizing him for doing something good. I didn't get that. You know, it wasn't because I was so smart. God showed me to do it with him, with him in particular. And so he did. And I remember, I can still remember it to this day. He came over to me one time. He says, uh, he says, I need to go outside and get this. I promise I'm not going out to smoke. I'm just going out to get this thing and I'll be right back. And I looked at him and I said, go ahead. I trusted him. He went right out. He did what he had to do. He came right back and he reported to me. He said, I'm back. I just want to let you know I'm back. And uh, good, good, good. And we saw a tremendous change. He went from being a problem kid in the youth group to uh, not necessarily your, your role model or anything like that, but he was a whole lot better. <laughs> he, was, he was progress. He was making progress in the thing. He was restored, becoming restored. And, uh, and then his mom got some kind of offense that went on, and she decided to leave the church and took him with her. I have no idea what happened to him after that. Lost all touch with him. It's a shame because he was really making some progress, and I hope he continued to make that progress, but you don't know. You know, it's up to us. Make sure that you make correction palatable, but there are times you need to be stern. You listen to the stories that Brother, Brother Hagin would tell. I don't know how many of them you've heard, but I'll tell you what, I shudder to think at some of the things that, that would happen. But uh, I know that two ladies he would talk about, they were in the church, and they'd been in the church for years, and they stopped coming. And they weren't there one week. They weren't there two weeks. They weren't there three weeks. And uh, eventually someone from the church had talked with them. And they came on back to Brother Hagin. They said, uh, those two, they, they, they think that you ought to come out and visit them. 
How come you haven't gone out to visit them yet? I guess, you know, they were talking and, well, Brother Hagin hasn't been out here to visit us. And he says, uh, he says, no, I haven't been out there to visit them and I'm not going to either. <laughs> and that was it. He, he walked off of that. And his reasoning was they were mature people in the church. They shouldn't need people to come out and visit them. They needed to be out there visiting other people. And when that news got to them that uh, he wasn't going to come out and visit them, they eventually came back on their own. And, and, you know. But sometimes people try and use these kind of things to get you to do stuff. Don't, don't do it. Don't let people manipulate you. Listen to the Spirit of God. He will help you restore people. He will help you bring them back. Some people you can restore. Some people you can't. There are people in Jesus' time. There are people in Paul's time. Each of them got some people restored. Each of them had some people who didn't get restored. Is it on them? Some of it comes back on the person who, who needs to be restored. But some of it's on you as the restorer. As much as dependent on you, you make it right. But just because they don't come back doesn't mean you failed. Don't, don't take it like that. You bear some responsibility, but not all of it. So, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Be gentle. Above all things, be gentle. You can always get more stern, as we said, but you can't get more... Once you let that sternness out, it's hard to go backwards. So be gentle. Listen to the words that you're saying. He says, consider yourself, lest you also be tempted. We're not above falling into anything that some of these people have fallen into stuff. We're not above falling into that. Don't get that mindset that says, well, I would never do that. Well, not right now. But after a series of events happens in your life, who knows where you would be? You might be uh, primed for the enemy to pull you down. So you be careful. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. I put this in your outline. Restoring is more important than discovering. It is more important that you restore one to the walk that you discover that they're in trespasses. Sometimes we think the discovery is more important. It's not. The restoring is the most important part. Even if you don't discover everything that a person is doing, that's fine. That's all right. What you do discover, what you do find out, make sure you work to that place of, being, of restoring them. Without it, all we end up with is embarrassment, injury, anger, and offense. If you have discovery without, without the restoration, you're going to get people embarrassed, injured, angry, and offended. That's not always a, a good thing. There are people that got offended with Jesus' teaching and Jesus' ministry. There are people that got angry with him. But he didn't do it in such a way as to cause that. They just did it anyway. So our, our people are going to get angry at you. That's all right. Just make sure you stay on the right side. Verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Well, one another's burdens here is the word baras, which is a, uh, a weight, a load, abundance, authority, burdensome, or, or weight is what it would uh, mean. Bear one another's burdens, baras, and so fulfill the law of Christ. There are some things that other people have that we are to bear. And we've, again, it wasn't too long ago we went over this, but just to, since we're here in Galatians, we need to go over it again. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. 
So again, here was the problem we came into in verse 2, bear one another's burdens. And in verse 5, each one shall bear his own. Well, of course, the Greek is different there in the word burdens. In verse 5, his own burden is the word that means an invoice. It means what's on the freight of a boat. That's stuff that's supposed to be there. It belongs there. That's on the invoice. It's not extra. That ship should be able to handle it. When you make up a uh, bill of lading for a, a boat, you account to how much that boat can handle. What can that boat carry weight-wise? And you put that weight on it or, or something less than that. You don't put an over, overweight load on the, the boat. That's why you have a bill of lading. That's why you have a, uh, an invoice that you make up. They did it back then for their wooden boats. They knew how much weight those things would hold. And you don't put more weight than you're supposed to on the thing. You've got to check that out. If you see trucks that go down the road, there's weigh stations. That truck is supposed to weigh before they leave to make sure that they're not bearing too great of a load. They're uh, ready to hold a certain amount of load. And that's all that they're supposed to do. If you have too much of a load, not only does it put stress on the tires and the suspension, but also when you brake, the, breakers, the brakes are made to hold a certain uh, a load that's on there. And if you go over that load, then those brakes are going to have a hard time, especially if you come down a hill. They can uh, be overtaxed, have a failure, and then people can get hurt. So what we have there is a two words for, for burden. Everyone will bear his own load. There's a thing that you need to bear yourself. You know, the, the day-to-day things you need to do on your own. You know, if you, ha- if you see uh, some people, their, uh, their house is a mess, the laundry, the dishes, they're not having done the grocery shopping, the leaves aren't raked up in the yard, the, the lawn's not mowed, uh, all these kind of things, their car's a mess, uh, all, all this. Well, these are, these are things that they're supposed to do themselves, right? Everyone's supposed to mow their own lawn. Everyone's supposed to rake their own leaves. That's, if, if you don't want to rake a whole lot of leaves, don't buy a house with a lot of trees. If you don't want to have a, a huge walk to shovel, I don't know about you, but whenever I take a look at a house and I see a half mile long driveway, my first thought is, what do we do in the winter? That is always my first thought. What do we do in the winter? Do I want to shovel out or plow or, or otherwise take care of a half mile driveway? My answer, no. I do, no, I do not want, I don't want a snowblower. I don't want to have to put a plow on my my truck or anything like that. I don't want that to buy a truck that's going to handle snowplow and be able to do that. I would say, no, I don't want this house because I don't want half mile. If you don't want to mow the lawn of an acre house, then what should you not do? Buy a house with an acre of lawn. You, you shouldn't do it. If you don't want to take care of a pool, don't buy a house with a pool. That's because it's, it's there. Uh, if you don't want to take care of Ten rooms in a house, then buy a house with five rooms. Buy a house with three rooms if you need to. Whatever it is, if you don't want to take care of it, don't buy the thing. But if you take on those, those daily responsibilities, they're your daily responsibilities. And you shouldn't be going around calling everybody, do you have people in your life? Oh, can you come over and help me with this? Oh, can you come over and help me with that? Oh, can you come over and help me with this? Oh, can you come over and help me with that? And these are daily things that they should be doing. Well, see, that's not your responsibility to do. Now, what will happen is sometimes, you know, if, uh, if something unusual has happened, maybe uh, death in the family, they're prepared for a funeral, you know, they haven't been time to cut the lawn or get the leaves or, or maybe they're on vacation and they haven't been able to shovel the walkway or, you know, sometimes something special will come up 
And surely you would go on over and you would help them in that. But we're talking nothing special coming up. Daily needs. They need to bear those things. And you're not helping them by bearing them. That's not your responsibility as a Christian. Don't do it. You've got to get them ready to bear it themselves. You've got to get them ready to take care of those kind of things. So, don't take that on. But the other word, bear one another's burdens. These are heavy. Heavy ones. In, uh, going back to verse 5, the word here for burden in verse 5, which is the everyday one, we're going to see this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the same word that's used. In Luke chapter 11, 46, and he said, Woe to you also, lawyers, for you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one, one of your fingers. So we got hard burdens that they're putting on others, but they're not going to touch them. They're not going to do that. In Matthew 23, verse 4, But they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. So we're putting real heavy burdens on others, but I'm not going to do it. There are some things that are my responsibility, and I need to take care of their daily burdens, their daily needs. And when God says, when uh, God's load, it's light. So when you got these other ones that people are putting on you and they're heavy, how many of you have people around that are trying to put a load on you that's too heavy? <laughs> and don't let them do it. Don't, don't feel like I've got to take all that stuff on. God says that my burdens are light. It's, it's not overbearing. If it's overbearing, then we've taken on too much. And we need to let some of that stuff go. Brother, uh, Brother Keith, he would tell us uh, some of the uh, podcasts I've listened to of his. He, I think he was relating a story that, that God says. He says, uh, Keith, if you're too busy to do what I told you to do, then you're doing stuff I didn't tell you to do. I thought, man, that's true, isn't it? <laughs> Woo! Yeah, that's, that's what he said when he heard it. He said, ouch, man, that hurts. That's a, but, you know, that's a correction that you need. How many, we've all been caught up with we're, we're too busy to do some things, but I feel like God's told me that I'm supposed to do this, but I'm just too busy to get it done. Then we're probably doing something that God didn't tell us to do. And cut those things out. If you cut out the things that God didn't tell you to do, but other people are telling you to do, I need you to do this for me. Well, who says? Who said... Don't feel like you have to. Some people need to carry their own burdens. They need to learn to carry their own stuff. They don't carry their own burdens. Well, you know, they'll, they'll go find someone else. Find somebody else to do it. Now, the word there for, for heavy, when he talks about heavy, for they are buying heavy burdens, is uh, an adjective that means weighty, burdensome, grave, grievous, heavy. In 1 John 5, 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. They're not heavy. They're not, you don't feel overloaded. When you do what God says to do, you will not feel overloaded. When you do what the devil tries to guilt you into doing, you will be. You need to let some of those things go. Woe to you, in Matthew 23, 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. It's a, that weightier there is the same word there for, for heavy. The heavier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So you're, you're, you're letting some things go for stuff that you shouldn't, shouldn't be doing. 
For I know this in Acts chapter 20, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. This is the, that word there for heavy. Savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Just know, people are going to come in, and they're going to, they're going to have these heavy things with them. They're going to try and put some of them on you. They're going to try and take you out. In 25 verse 7, when he had come, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood out and laid many serious complaints, heavy, weighted complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. Well, who cares what kind of complaints people can come up with, whether they're heavy or, or well, that's the, that's the uh, thing in the media likes. Well, because of the, the uh, 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 seriousness of the charge, we need to take this under consideration. There is no proof, but because of the seriousness of the charge. We need to take a look at this. No, if there's no proof, you throw it out. It's ridiculous. So what we are to help with is the heavy burdens, not the day-to-day or the normal. Stop feeling like you've got to help people with the day-to-day that are normal. They're not coming over. I guarantee you, those people that you're going over because of guilt going over to help out with the day-to-day and the normal are not coming over to help you with the day-to-day and the normal. In fact, they're not going over to anybody else and helping them with the day-to-day, the normal. So if they aren't doing their own day-to-day normal, they aren't helping other people with their day-to-day normal, what are they doing with their time? Could be sitting at home watching soap operas. So while you're trying to get all this stuff done, get your prayer time in, get your scripture reading time in, get your ministry time in, get your work time in, get your house cleaning time in, you're trying to take time out to do their house cleaning, do their stuff that they should be doing while they're sitting at home watching... TV. It's okay to sit at home and watch TV sometimes. I'm not saying that you can't do that, but you know, if people are going to slouch, not do the things that they should do, and then try and put it on you to come back and, and make up for it, uh-uh. Don't be doing it. So verse, uh, verse 3, For a man think himself... Let me go back over here and read that, read that whole thing. I didn't put it in there. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing... If anyone thinks himself to be something. How many of you all know people that think themselves to be something? They think themselves to be something more than they are. For if any man think himself, what kind of person is this? It's a prideful one. It's a prideful person. They think themselves to be something when they are nothing. They think more highly than they ought to be thinking of themselves. That's a prideful person. If you put your time... Your effort, your money, your energy, your whatever, into a person who's a prideful person, you are putting that into someone that God is resisting. Because God resists the proud. Is that some proud? All the proud. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. You are taking what you have to put into the lives of someone who is prideful that God is resisting. If God is resisting them, is he going to send you as his servant to go in there and help them? So you need to have the wherewithal to say, no, I'm not going to do it. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing. Just understand, there's people out there that are like this. And though they, uh, they tell you about how hard it is and what they're up against, you don't see them when you go away. God does. Tap into the heart of God. What's God want you to do? We are to prove or we are to examine our own work. We are to prove, we are to examine our own work. Go back over to there. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. 
Take a look at the work that you're doing. If you're working out there and you're helping some people, you're pulling some people in, you're restoring some people, great. You can take rejoicing in that. If you're working to get the things done that you need to do that God has put under your care, this is my work, this is my day-to-day, take rejoicing in that. But if you start taking your time out to help people with their day-to-day and God says, I didn't tell you to do that, what rejoicing is there? Examine your own work. Is what I'm doing good in the eyes of God? Bear one another's burdens. Take on the extra heavy load that came upon them all of a sudden. But don't take on the day-to-day. They need to take on their own day-to-day. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Each one shall bear his own load. They've got to bear their own load. You're not helping them, but they don't bear their own load. They've got to carry their... Their own self. You know, we've got so many people in this country that have decided they can make a better living on unemployment than they can go on out there and getting a job. They're not bearing their own load. And we're not helping them when we, uh, we, we put all this stuff into them. No, they need to go out there and get some work. Get a job. We need to put more into, into to helping those folks do this. It's unfortunate that they... I think it's amazing... People that are unemployed, been unemployed two, three, four years. They got a bigger TV than you do. They got a better car than they do. They got extra time, more time than you do. And yet they're not getting as much done. They don't have a job. So anyway, how is your hearing? Are you hearing the things that God is correcting in your life? How is your restoring? How are you doing restoring other people? Have a bearing. How are you doing with bearing other other's burdens? Are you bearing more of their load than you should? Are you not one to, to step up when somebody needs some help? And examining. We need to examine ourselves. How, how are we doing in examining our own work? Do we ever sometimes just take time off and just say, am I doing the work that I should be doing? Or am I doing work that God didn't tell me to do? God didn't call me to do. God didn't tell me to do that. If God didn't tell you to do it. Then either he's got someone else out there who's supposed to be doing it, and you're messing with the whole thing, doing it for them. Or it's just something that's not supposed to be done. And we got into it because of guilt. Y'all know we can get into stuff because for guilt. How many of y'all got people in your life that guilt you into doing stuff? Yeah, I think we all do, don't we? I got people in my life, they try and get, and I'm, I'm getting better at it. I'm, I'm getting better. I'm more resistant to it. People try and guilt me and stuff. I usually just say, forget it. I'm not doing nothing. <laughs> that's, that's generally the way I go anymore. If you want to guilt me into something, well, I'm not going to do anything then. And... Um, don't 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 uh, help people out. If they want to try and guilt you into something. Is that how God gets you to do stuff? Does God use guilt to get you to do things? Uh-uh. No. If God's not using it, don't honor it when somebody else does it. But they're a Christian. Yeah, there's a whole lot of Christians doing methods that they shouldn't be doing. Trying to guilt you into doing something. Yeah, well, I, I really need you to do this for me. If you don't do it for me, then I don't know that I'll, I probably won't be able to get anybody to do that. It's probably the same story they gave to somebody else five minutes ago. <laughs> don't, don't be doing it. Don't, don't be messing with it. Even with people, and they go out there and you find them on the street corners and they're begging for money. Should you give them money? Ask God. Ask God. If God doesn't tell you to give them anything, why should you? Yeah, well, they don't have anything. I got something at least. So maybe they don't have anything because they're not working. 
Maybe they could be working. There's some I've heard some people panhandle because they make more money doing that than they do anything else. And they have panhandler clothes. And they put their panhandler clothes on and they look old and dirty and, and such and but when they they come home they take their panhandler clothes off and they put their nice clothes on and they have their nice apartment. <laughs> uh, those kind of things go on because they can make more money doing it. Don't uh don't get suckered into it. Bear each other's burdens, things that are heavy, things that are uh, over and above. But day to day, no, they need to take care of their own day to day. And you're not missing God. This is what Paul is telling you. You're not missing God, letting people take care of their own day to day. They need to learn how to do it. They need to learn how to do their own laundry, do their own cooking, buy their own food, prepare their own meals, rake their own leaves, cut their own lawn, change their own oil. Or take it to some place that does. I don't change my oil. I have people who do it. And just drive it over to the place. And uh, and they'll do it. And the funny thing is, changing the oil, it doesn't cost me much more to have them do it than it does to go out there and buy all the stuff myself. You know, some people like to change oil and work on cars. I don't. I don't. I don't even like to wash my car. Other people do. They like to. I don't like to even wash it. I'll take it to the drive-thru. Because I don't even... I'll wash it. Just washed it today. Took it through the drive-thru. Drove it right on through. Took me all five minutes. That sucker's washed. Cleaned up. Good shape. <laughs> you want to hand wash it, you go right on ahead. You hand wash it. But somebody's got to make sure you wash your, your, your vehicle. You've got to make sure that you, you do the, the things you need to be doing. But um, don't feel like you've got to take on everybody else's roles. Because sometimes that just pulls us out from doing what God called us to do. And then we're not doing what we're going to have an eternal reward for. Father, we thank you for the help that you get us to discern between the burdens that we should help with and the burdens that they need to bear on their own. Thank you, Father. We are not moved by guilt, but we are moved by your spirit. Help us, Father, to resist the guilt that others would try and put on us to get us to do things that you haven't called us to do or told us to do. We thank you, Father, for helping us in this life. For if we are feeling too burdened down, too, too, uh, too taxed, more than likely we've taken on something we shouldn't do. So we thank you for the help that you give us to discern that. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.